Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. You can also find me on my other podcast, Straight Up Paleo. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. So I am at my family cabin right now, and I'm here by myself right now. My friend Kelly's coming up tomorrow, but I have my whole setup. I have my standing desk that I brought with me because I can only work standing up, and I have two laptops and my mic and my headphones, and I mean, this is just a normal day for me. I feel like I do a lot of things and I don't think they're out of the ordinary. But anyways, there are a lot of open windows in this cabin. And so you can see me if you are near me. And my neighbors are sitting on their deck just staring at me. They're older. So they're probably wondering what this what this girl is doing with her multiple laptops standing up with a microphone. Maybe they think I'm a DJ. Sometimes when I listen to my podcast intro, I feel like I'm a DJ, but I'm clearly not. Anyways, I'm in a very good mood because I love being up here. It's super relaxing. There's no phone service, so no one can call me or irritate me, and I'm just here. It's very, very peaceful. Lots of big trees, plenty of beautiful greenery to take long walks amidst, And I brought up enough food for two months, and it will last me the weekend. I'm sipping on my Spindrift. If you guys haven't had Spindrift yet, it's so delicious. It's sparkling water with flavor in it, but it's natural fruit flavor. So it's not natural flavor. It's actually like lemon juice or lime juice. So really into it. Tastes like summer. At this point in my life, it actually tastes like soda to me. Like, it tastes like there's sugar in it, even though there's not, but that's because my taste buds are so sensitive from being so low in sugar for such a long time, you know? Just random things taste like they have sugar to me when they don't. Anyways, I'll be up here, gonna have a great weekend, very excited to relax, unwind, and then this week, my sister is getting married, so I will be going to the wedding I am a bridesmaid. I'm doing her makeup. Weddings are always fun and interesting, and my family is hilarious because we all have big personalities, and I'm sure there will be lots of shenanigans, family drama. Very excited to see how it goes. And that'll be my weekend. I can't believe my sister's getting married. That's so weird to me. Honestly, it's, it's very strange. Very strange to me. I'm nowhere near ever getting married. Um, anyways, so that's what's new in my life. And then the other thing I want to remind you guys about is to make sure that 
if you still want to go to the wellness realness retreat in August, now is the time to sign up. Super excited about it. That's on my agenda for this weekend. I'm nailing down all the final details. I just finished talking to Picnic to coordinate our lunch there. We're doing acupuncture. We're doing workouts. We're doing facials. We're doing, what else are we doing? Yoga and walks and all of that. But obviously the main reason why we're there is to talk all about nutrition and health and body image and self-love and mental health. And it's going to be so much fun, really great opportunity to get some one-on-one time with me and other like-minded individuals. So it's going to be the ultimate weekend getaway. Austin is such a fun city. I can't wait to go back. And I would love to meet you. So if you want to learn more, if you want to get your tickets, go to bit.ly slash crwretreat2018 and get snag that ticket. It's literally going to be the best weekend ever. It sucks because I have such fun things planned that I also don't want to... Well, I can't share everything because some things are going to be kept a secret and we're going to... I mean... It's not going to be on social media. I'm going to put away the phone for the weekend and be there. So, I mean, if you want in on the secrets, you better you better join in. And we're going to have some killer goodie bags. I feel like the term goodie bags reminds me of my fifth grade birthday party. And I wish I had a more glamorous term. But we're just going to go with goodie bags. But they're going to have some of my favorite products, which I'm very excited about. And I know you guys are going to love it too. So if you want to go to the best wellness retreat of your life, go to bit.ly slash crwretreat2018. The link will be in the show notes. And then get your ticket and I can't wait to meet you. I can't believe it's already, oh my gosh, just a little over a month away. Wow, that is fabulous. Can't wait. So today's topic I'm really excited about. I wanted to talk all about my experiment doing the carnivore diet because it's all over the internet. So many people are doing it and I love these types of self-experimentation things. And I actually recorded a podcast about this before a few weeks ago when I was recording my Q&A podcast. I kind of put this in the in the beginning, but it turned into the whole podcast about it. And I was like, okay, I should just do a separate podcast. And then I realized that I wanted to record the podcast and write my blog post after I finished my experiment, not during, which looking back, I'm very glad I did because my opinions have changed slash I've realized some things about how it affected my own, my personal body. So let's just get into it because I think this is so fun. Okay. I was really excited about this experiment, honestly, because I think it's okay. I think it's so funny how all these trends and fads and things come up in the health space. And honestly, I'm like the kind of person I love experiments like this, but a lot of them I just won't do. Like if I know an experiment is going to go horribly wrong, I won't do it just to prove that it's going to go wrong, that it's going to affect my body negatively because I already know, and I'm not going to put myself through that. But there aren't, 
that many experiments where I'm like, hmm, I wonder how that would actually go. And like, I can actually do it because if you guys follow me, you know, I have, I mean, I have a sensitive stomach, you know, I have some health things that I'm always wary of. So I'm not going to put myself into more danger. I'm not going to do something that I know is going to totally screw, screw with my hormones or my gut health or, you know, so there aren't that many things that I actually want to experiment with. And then this thing comes out, this carnivore diet trend. And I'm like, whoa, I could actually do that. And I'm very curious how it would go. And it also kind of came at the perfect time because I was sort of in between protocols, so to speak, for my gut. And I was also at a place where I... I was feeling like I was just reacting to a lot of different foods and just needed a clean slate. And I was like, this is the perfect elimination diet, which we'll get into in a second. But anyways, let's just talk about what the carnivore diet is. If you are in the paleo space or the keto space at all on social media, I'm sure you've seen this. It's been pretty much everywhere. But basically the idea of the carnivore diet is that all you eat is animal products. So, I mean, a lot of meat, basically. And the, kind of the classic carnivore me- meal is a big ribeye steak. So you want to be focusing on fatty cuts of meat, um, you know, red meat. And you can also, well, okay, there are people who have differing opinions. Some people say that carnivore diet is just, true carnivore diet is just pure red meat, but I th- I don't think that's it. I mean, I think that's classic, but I guess if you just look up the definition on the internet, it's any animal product. So that could include fish as well. Um, And some people don't allow eggs or pork. I mean, I include those. My interpretation of it was any animal product. So that meant meat, fish, eggs, and pork if you want and butter so dairy products are allowed as well although I didn't personally include those except for ghee which I'll get to in a second um, because I don't respond well to dairy personally it makes me a little sick so didn't include that personally but a lot of other people do and yeah animal products and water so this means you know animal products this means you have to cook your meat in animal products so this means no coconut oil no avocado oil no olive oil so cooking fats would be things like bison tallow duck fat butter any type of animal fat basically you could cook your food in and also here's so some more you know the sketchy side of things some people say i mean if you're being strict carnivore you shouldn't be having herbs and spices, but most people allow herbs and spices as well. Um, and then water, but a lot of people who are doing this are very, you know, love their coffee. It's such a keto thing. You know, they love their coffee. So a lot of people who are doing this are doing like animal products with, you know, they're cooking their meat and whatever herbs and spices they want. And then they have their coffee still because they still are addicted to their butter coffee, which is a whole other issue, but whatever. Okay. So the way I wanted to do it was, I mean, I didn't really know how long I was going to do it for. 
I just kind of said, okay, I want to try this. And I, I was like, okay, I would like to go for a week, but if I feel horrible before a week, then I'll give up whatever. And if I feel better, then I'll go longer and then I'll just see it. I'll just keep doing it until I don't feel well. So I wanted to that first week, do it like as strictly as I could. So I did just all animal products and that was mostly red meat. Um, so it was mostly ground beef steaks. And then I had, I think a piece of salmon, some bacon, an egg or two, some things here or there. And then I also included a lot of organ meats and bone broth. I think that's really, really important. And I did just, I didn't do any tea or anything, but I did have apple cider vinegar because with all that meat, I really need to, to support my hydrochloric acid production in my stomach. And so I needed my morning ACV drink. I start every morning off with hot water with apple cider vinegar in it. And it's my favorite way to start the day. And I just needed it. So I included that. <laughs> so I guess I cheated in that sense, but whatever. Other than that morning drink, just water, just meat. And then I only used salt, which wasn't really a big deal for me because in general, I cook things very plain. So when I'm just cooking for myself, on an everyday basis, I pretty much always only use salt anyway. So I didn't really think that was a big deal and I don't drink coffee, so I didn't really care, but I did miss some of my, my teas and elixirs, but it was just for the first week. So let's backtrack for a second and talk about why people are doing this. Why would you want to go on an all meat diet? So this is a zero carb diet, no vegetables, no vegetables, People are doing this. Well, I think the the main face of this, there are a lot there are a lot of people who are doing it and have been doing it for a while, but the person who has been popularizing it recently is Dr. Sean Baker, who you've probably heard of if you already know about the carnivore diet and he's an orthopedic surgeon and an athlete. He has set two indoor rowing world records. He is very muscular and buff and I'm trying to get him on my podcast. So stay tuned. But he has been eating the carnivore diet, basically just ribeye steaks mostly, like for 99% of the time for over a year. I think maybe maybe close to two years at this point. He's been on a, a ton of different podcasts and he's kind of popularizing this. Meanwhile, I mean, he they have this, he has this whole website, meatheals.com, I think it is. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, meatheals.com, where they put all these testimonials of people who have been eating carnivore for some time and how it's transformed their health. I know also Michaela Peterson has been on carnivore and has used it to help with her mental health, her joint pain, her autoimmune issues. Um, and so people are basically doing this for different reasons. So some of the main reasons are for reduced inflammation, improved digestion for athletic performance. A lot of people are obviously doing it for weight loss and also apparently good for testosterone levels. Um, those are some of the benefits and it's, you know, it's a simple way of eating 
There's no macro counting. It's just eat animal products. And so this is different from a ketogenic diet because a ketogenic diet, you're aiming for the production of ketones. If you're not producing ketones, you're not in ketosis and then you're not following a ketogenic diet. And a ketogenic diet, you know, is certain percentages of macronutrients. So these can vary on the from the person to person or the type of ketogenic approach they're taking, but let's say anywhere maybe above like 70 to 80% fat, your diet 70 80% fat and you're keeping your carbs low, maybe 5 to 10% um, of your caloric intake is from carbohydrates. You know, those numbers vary, but just in a range, but ketogenic diets allow for for vegetables. They allow for some carbohydrates. A carnivore diet isn't shooting for a specific macronutrient ratio. So you could be like eating whatever protein to fat ratio you want and maybe you're not in ketosis. So you could be on a carnivore diet and not be in ketosis, but I think most people end up being in ketosis. So that's sort of the difference there. Carnivore, no plant products and keto definitely allows those. You can have your coconut oil or olive oil or avocado oil on keto not on carnivore. So those are some of the potential benefits. And I mean, let's think about it for a second. So in terms of, in terms of weight, okay, mental clarity. If you're in ketosis, this is going to give you mental clarity. Weight loss. Eating protein and fat is incredibly satiating. And when that's all you're eating, a lot of a lot of people will just be like, they'll, they'll eat a certain amount of meat and they'll say, okay, I can't eat anymore. So it kind of just naturally leads to caloric restriction. Um, and then also if you're dipping in keto- into ketosis, that can help you lose weight as well. Although ketosis doesn't necessarily equal weight loss, but that's a whole other issue. Anyways, um, kind of, you know, turns off the your hunger signals because it's very satiating. Protein and fat are the most satiating macronutrients. So that's where it helps with that. Um, And reducing inflammation, better digestion. I mean, this makes sense because you're eliminating so many foods that have the potential to cause digestive issues and inflammation in the body. Vegetables have a lot of really you know, beneficial phytonutrients, but they also contain a lot of anti-nutrients. They contain lectins, phytates, you know, your nightshades have glycoalkaloids. There are a lot of things that can cause inflammation in the body, not to mention that fiber is obviously incredibly reduced. And, you know, there are all these myths about fiber, um, fiber for a lot of people can cause a lot of digestive issues. So you're, you're taking that out. You're eliminating that factor. So it can really help ease digestion. And when we look at digestion in humans, in terms of our digestive systems, we actually have more in common with pure carnivores, like wolves, for example, than pure vegans, like a cow, 
so, I mean, we know we need animal products in our diets. Um, you know, if you had to pick between either only eating animal products or only eating plant products, if you want to live and be healthy, you would want to pick only animal products. You know, we don't technically need plants to survive. We need animal products to survive. There have been, and in terms of health, it's like there have been no, no completely vegan healthy cultures ever found. So, I mean, we, we got to have animal products. We got to have omega-3 fatty acids for our brains. Our bodies need B12. We need animal products in our diet. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean there's a certain amount. I'm just saying you have to have at least some. Got to at least eat some bugs, you know? <laughs> um, anyways, so back to our digestive systems. The thing is that, so we have this little pouch in our intestines. It's at the start of the large intestine. It's called the cecum. And it's a small pouch that is used specifically to digest fibrous plants. So the plant fibers are actually fermented in the cecum, and this makes it easier for our bodies to digest. The thing is, we don't we don't digest fiber or plant material the same way that true omnivores do because our our cecum is small it's pretty small it's almost like the size of like your fist um so we can't fully ferment vegetables in there in the cecum like a true herbivore versus you know an animal like a panda their cecum is a long pouch and it can hold a lot of plant material in it so that it can be fermented before it gets digested. Um, and in terms of evolution, this is a trade-off we made. You know, so we basically, in order to develop larger brains, we needed to eat more animal products. That is what allowed us to develop larger brains. That came at the expense of our digestive tract. So basically, we ate more animal products, which allowed our brains to grow. Meanwhile, that means less vegetable matter so cecum gets smaller versus other animals that don't have brains like ours they have larger cecums they're able to digest more plants than we are so that is sort of you know a physiological explanation for why this might be helpful and in terms of nutrients, I know people. some people are very concerned about nutrients. Meat contains plenty of micronutrients. Um, organ meats are the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. If you guys follow me, you know I love organ meats. I think they're so incredibly important for people to incorporate into their diets and People just have these preconceived notions about them. I think they're delicious. And I mean, if you really want to improve your health, get some organ meats into your diet. If you do a side-by-side -side comparison of plants, vegetables compared to meat or organ meat specifically, I mean, organ meat will blow any vegetable out of the water in terms of nutrient density. And, you know, plant nutrients aren't actually as bioavailable to us as animal as the nutrients in animal products are. 
So that's a little bit about the nutrients. And in terms of prebiotics, um, I mean, collagen itself is an amazing prebiotic, one of the most effective out there. You can, you know, eat some, some ribs, some wings, some sardines, get those prebiotics that way. You know, there are cultures that have eaten mainly meat products, animal products, little plant matter, and have been healthy. That doesn't mean, you know, they never... I find it unrealistic when someone proclaims that there are cultures that literally never ate a plant. I think that's actually ridiculous, but I definitely... I mean, there have certainly been cultures that ate predominantly meat products. So we have people like nomads in Mongolia who ate mainly meat and dairy products, the Maasai from East Africa who mostly ate milk and meat, and the gaucho Brazilians were also consuming diets mainly comprised of beef, the Canadian Inuits, they lived mostly on whale meat, fish, walrus. So we see instances of this. And these cultures had impressive health markers. They didn't suffer from a lot of the illnesses that we do now. And I think this makes sense because when you're just focusing on well-sourced animal products, you're just eliminating so many different foods that cause people a lot of issues, like all of these plant issues, like nightshades, for instance. People with autoimmune conditions specifically can react really strongly to nightshade vegetables for a number of reasons um and you know these those can lead to inflammation and even if you don't have an autoimmune condition it can affect your gut health it can affect energy for anyone could cause joint pain so i mean that's just one example that we know and you know this whole lectin issue can be a thing for people and i think it's also about just an overload a toxic overload that's on our body. So sometimes it's not just, okay, I eat this one food and this lectin affects me, but sometimes it's just the cumulative effects of all of these different lectins. And I'm also speaking from the perspective of someone who follows a paleo diet and most people in my life do. But when you look at the broader scope of things and you think about the standard American diet, people are consuming anti-nutrients and lectins pretty much constantly when you're eating bread and pasta and cookies for most of your diet, um, that's destroying your digestive system. And of course, it's going to cause inflammation. And these are just high sugar diets as well, which is going to cause chronic inflammation, which brings me back, you know, to this other issue of people are worried about their heart health. You know, saturated fat is not causing heart disease. It is sugar. It is this widespread epidemic of the overconsumption of sugar causing heart disease. So that's a whole other issue. <laughs> um, we cannot fear the healthy fats, the healthy fats. So, you know, it's removing a like the carnivore diet removes a lot of other sources of inflammation as well. So even, I mean, I think one of the biggest sources of inflammation in the American diet is not only the sugar, but these inflammatory vegetable oils that people are cooking everything in. This canola oil, the grapeseed oil, the cottonseed oil, it's just, oh, it kills me. But these are 
oxidized fats, these create free radicals in the body. Um, you know, our cell, God, I'm just going to go off because I get so upset about this, but our bodies are made up of cells. Our cells, like our cell membranes are made up of phospholipid bilayers. Fats make up our cells. Fats make up our hormones. And if you're putting damaged fats into your body, these highly reactive oxidized fats into your body, like like in highly inflammatory omega-6 heavy vegetable oils, I mean, you're building, you're trying to build a body out of broken building blocks. Like how could you expect your body to run well? How could you expect your body to not be inflamed when you are inundating it with these broken molecules? Okay, I'm just going off on a rant, but I just get really upset that people eat these and don't think about it. So, but I mean, even healthy foods though can contain, besides the gluten, you know, besides the gluten that's obviously causing inflammation and major health issues, um, the lectins and phytic acid and, and anti-nutrients in healthy foods like fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds can contribute to inflammation, um, can contribute to leaky gut, autoimmune conditions. So there's all that. Um, and then I think the other, in terms of the nutrients, so I mean, animal products have all the nutrients you need. You know, you can get a ton of iron and zinc. You can get plenty of vitamin D from seafood, dairy. Um, the one thing that you, you don't get enough of is vitamin C. Um, but there are people in the carnivore space who make different arguments surrounding this. Some carnivore dieters will argue that when your body doesn't have carbohydrates, your body may not need that much vitamin C and just a small amount is enough. We have people like Dr. Stephen Finney, who wrote The Art and Science of Low-Carb Living, who says that the ketone beta-hydroxybutyrate, which your body will make when you remove all the carbs from your diet, will partially replace the need for vitamin C. The other thing to think about when considering these extreme diets like this is we look at, you know, what are our nutrient needs? Well, Say we're looking at a list of what has been determined to be the amount of different vitamins, nutrients, minerals our bodies need. They are they've come up with these numbers based on what? Based on someone following what type of diet? You know, so these these needs might be totally different for somebody following an all meat diet. Like this is completely changing our meta- our metabolism and how our bodies are functioning. So sometimes nutrient needs are different for different people depending on you know what their body is using for fuel and what they're digesting so that's the other interesting thing it's like same with looking at blood work for people I mean how do we know what a healthy blood work panel would look like for someone following an all-meat diet what if something that looks out of range for someone who's eating you know a diet that includes plant products what if what if that healthy blood work panel would actually be unhealthy for someone who is following a carnivore style diet so that's something else to keep in mind that being said there are some people who say like craig emmerich for example argues that there is enough there is enough vitamin c in meats to eliminate the potential for scurvy so it's kind of all over the board there 
And going off of that, this is where, you know, Dr. Frenny argues that on a more unbalanced diet, when you're not on a carnivore diet, one of the main roles of vitamin C in the body is to form collagen, but the amino acids you're getting from such large meat intake um, is able to get the job done without that. So there's another argument on that side of things. I think in terms of lacking nutrients, the only thing that I've seen people talk about and that I definitely am thinking about as well is more of what the lack of plant matter could also do. The phytonutrients in plant foods can really help with DNA protection and protecting us against different types of cancer. So while there are some components of plant matter that can have negative effects, there are also obviously positive effects of those different phytonutrients. For instance, some people argue that you might be at a higher risk for colon cancer long term because you know, the bacteria in your GI tract and colon will ferment fiber into butyrate, a short-chain fatty acid that helps to decrease inflammation in the GI tract and can help to decrease the risk of colon cancer. So that's one example that people are talking about as well as how there might be long-term negative effects. But, you know, a lot of people are doing this. A lot of people are leaning in this direction, and I just thought it would be a really interesting experiment and I wanted to try it because it makes sense to me and it also makes sense to me in terms of evolution. It makes sense to me that people would go eat an animal and you would just eat the whole animal. And this also goes back to, you know, when someone's doing this properly, in my, in my opinion, well, you need to be eating fatty cuts of meat. So you can't just do this and just eat chicken breast. That is not nutrient dense at all. Chicken breast is the least nutritious form of protein. <laughs> In my opinion, it's just like protein. Um, you got to be giving, you want to go for the fatty cuts always. Our bodies are going to be using fat for fuel. Protein isn't fuel. Fat, fat or carbohydrates are your fuel. Those are your choices of fuel, um, not protein. So you want to make sure you are getting fatty cuts of meat. This is why ribeyes are such like the popular quintessential cut. Getting gra- A lot of people do ground beef because it's cheaper. Um, my opinion is that it should all be well-sourced. It should all be grass-fed. I know there are a lot of people who are doing this who aren't worrying about sourcing. Um, that wouldn't work for me. I also think that it's incredibly important to make sure you're getting bone broth in, to make sure you are getting your organ meats. I think that a really great way to do it is literally to eat a whole animal. So it's like I roasted a whole duck, you know, and ate the whole duck. Eat as much as you can. And I think the organ meats are just so nutrient dense and really important. And getting enough water, I think that getting plenty of salt is important as well. So those are just some things to think about, you know, if you're going to have, if you're going to try this and you're going to do a leaner cut, then add your own animal fat on top of it. That's my opinion because you're just going to crash and burn if you try and just do lean cuts of meat. And I also think that a big thing with this is somebody shouldn't do this if they're the type of person who is afraid of 
afraid to eat a lot of protein because I think that this is why this is so interesting to me is because so many people in the keto space are really afraid of protein and I think a lot of people in general are afraid of it for some reason like they just don't like the idea of eating a certain amount of meat which I think itself is just such a fascinating thing how so many people are afraid of this they're like that's too much meat I mean where is that fear where is that coming from who why is that too much you know, so if you're somebody who just can't get past that and don't do it because you have to eat a good amount of protein. So from what I am reading, most people eat, it seems two to three pounds of meat. I want to say about three pounds of meat a day. Actually, two is probably more common, but two to three. I mean, it's going to vary for people, but I mean, if you can't, if you're just going to try and eat a little four to six ounce serving of protein a few times a day and then think you're done, then you're going to get yourself into some serious metabolic damage because you're just going to downregulate your metabolism, not give yourself enough fuel and crash and burn. So if someone has a mental block about eating a lot of meat, then this definitely shouldn't be something that they should try. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm the type of person who just loves to eat protein. So I was very excited about this. I love to eat meat. I love fatty cuts of meat. So I felt like I was just stepping into my primal instincts. I'm such a savage. Like there's nothing I love more than a big drumstick <laughs> or a big duck leg. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So that's that. But what I think is so interesting is that I just think it's so interesting that people are kind of like shocked about it, I guess. I think that it's funny that people are getting kind of offended about it. They're like, I can't believe eating that much protein. And, but even to people who they're not even eating that much where it's like they could be eating the same exact amount of meat, but if they just added like a salad to it or something, no one would say anything. I don't really understand why everyone's getting so offended. And I'm also kind of confused by people are so shocked that it's giving people such great results. So, okay, let me explain why I wanted to do this in particular. So I wanted to do this for a few reasons. I wanted to, mainly I wanted to see the digestive benefits because I was at a point where, like I said, I just felt like I had become intolerant to like every vegetable and was reacting to every vegetable and my digestion was not in a good place. I was about to do another SIBO protocol, but I want to see how this went first and <laughs> I just wanted to see how that went. And I've also been really inflamed. So I want to see the inflammation and digestive benefits. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to do it. And I was more curious just like how I would feel. I was nervous that I felt like I was going to miss my vegetables just because I love vegetables so much. But I just don't really see why people are shocked that it's giving people results because of course it is. It's the ultimate elimination diet. You know, like, why do people get results on low FODMAP or SCD or AIP, all these different types of elimination diets? Because they're they're cutting out these different foods. This is just, like, taking the hard work out of it where, you know, maybe you try AIP and it doesn't work. Um, so then you try SCD and that doesn't work. So then you try low FODMAP and that works. That's, like, a lot of trial and error versus this. You're just cutting everything out. You're just cutting all of it out, you know, like, versus you know, say you're doing low FODMAP, but maybe one of those low FODMAP foods you're still intolerant to and you're still having issues. So this is like a faster way to do it, I guess. 
So just, I mean, it makes sense to me. You're basically just cutting out everything that could possibly be causing issues except for certain people. Like, so, I mean, a lot of people have issues with eggs. It's a really common food for people to be allergic to or sensitive to. So if someone's still doing eggs or, you know, you can definitely be allergic intolerant to different types of protein. So if one of those say you like are intolerant to beef, then this probably wouldn't go over so well. But I mean, it just made, I mean, it makes sense to me. The one thing I was very curious about though, really was my digestion in terms of bowel movements, because I mean, I've always leaned on the side of constipated. I've never had a diarrhea issue except for like, you know, random days of my life where I ate something that made me like sick and I, you know, sorry guys, just being real here. Um, but my, you know, growing up, I always lean more on the constipation side and in the past few years as I've gone through my health issues. It kind of, it like went away. And then when my gut gets bad, it'll kind of come back. But, you know, I lean more towards that side of things. And I also have historically felt like I have to be conscious of my protein intake because I've noticed in the past that when I eat too much protein, it constipates me. So I know for me to stay regular, I need a lot of fat. I need to make sure I'm not getting too much protein. I still eat a good amount. Um, and I felt like that's when I kind of figured that out, like, oh, don't eat so much protein, eat more fat. That helped me regulate things a bit. So that was something else I was a little concerned about in in trying this, I was like, okay, am I just going to be super constipated? But, you know, I was reading, reading things beforehand and everybody says it just regulated their digestive system. And I thought I might as well, I might as well try it out. So, you know, it's very interesting. And then the other thing that I was curious about was in terms of regulating your hunger signals. I have this, I mean, I have the appetite of three bears, three big, huge grizzly bears. I can eat, I can eat, I'll eat anyone. And I was just very curious if this is going to make me have like normalized hunger signals. Um, so that was the other issue that I was thinking about. And then the inflammation I wanted to know about. And honestly, I wanted to use this as an elimination diet really and see, like give myself a baseline. Like just because I got to the point, like I said, like everything was just bothered. All these vegetables are bothering me and I eat a lot of vegetables and I thought, okay, I just need a clean slate and then I'll see really what I, what I can tolerate. And I didn't know how I was going to feel on it. And, you know, I was never going into this planning on this being my lifestyle, which it's not, obviously it was just my experiment. And most people will do this for, I mean, they tell you like people who do the carnivore diet experiments, typically like 30 day trial. I didn't go a full 30 days. I will get to that in a second. I did two weeks, but, and then the, the adaptation period I think is pretty hard for people. So a lot of people like the first week will be really, really tough for them. And it I mean, if you're coming from like not a ketogenic diet already, I think it would be a really hard transition. I mean, if you're getting keto flu, low carb flu that first week, you're getting a lot of crazy symptoms. Plus your body's, you know, transitioning to um, a no fiber diet, basically. So any macronutrient change in general, you know, anytime you change your macros, you need to give your digestive system a bit of time to kind of 
figure itself out. So sometimes people will change macros and they'll get constipated or have diarrhea and freak out. You need to give yourself some time for your body to balance out. That's just really common for people when they're switching to any different macronutrient ratio. And, but if you're going through this, in addition to like low carb keto flu, keto flu at the same time, I mean, that would be really hard. Keto flu can be really rough for people. Um, you know, if they're not balancing out their electrolytes and you feel like you have the flu. So that can happen, you know, the first week or even longer. And they say to give it two or three weeks, two or three full weeks to fully get adapted, which is why it's like a 30 day experiment. Typically, um, two or three weeks to really get the full benefits. So that's kind of what people are are saying. And, you know, there's just so many incredible testimonials. I feel like so many people are coming out and saying how it's changed their lives. Um, okay, we'll get, we'll get to that in a second. But I mean, I was never, people are like sending me messages like, aren't you worried about, no, I'm not worried because I wasn't going to do this for my life. I'm just doing it for a few weeks um, as an elimination diet. So I wasn't really worried about it. But, you know, interesting, there haven't been any long-term studies on this. So, I mean, this is all new territory. It's all just anecdotal evidence. And that's something to take into consideration. Um, A lot of the people who I've heard on different podcasts who are talking about the carnivore diet, a lot of them haven't even gotten their blood work done or checked or anything. But listen to Rob Wolf's podcast episode on the Paleo Solution. He goes over Dr. Baker's blood work with him. And nothing's like that nothing's really off and he's been doing it for I think two years now so I mean Dr. Sean Baker is pretty much the face of this like I said Michaela Peterson is another person who's been doing it for a long time um Kelly Hogan uh some of my friends have been doing it my friend Vivica from the Nourished Caveman was doing a little experiment with it um my friend Alicia from Fat Fueled is doing it um and Anthony Dr. Anthony Gustin did an experiment with it and honestly when he did it, that was what made me think, okay, I want to, I want to try it. Cause I feel like he's really like balanced and I was really curious to, and I also really like his food. I felt like we ate similarly before. And then he was saying how much he loved it and wanted to stay mostly carnivore. So that was interesting. Um, and made me think, okay, I want to, I want to experiment on myself. So anyways, I went and I did it. And I did two weeks, basically first week, okay, first day, I was super hot. Like, I was getting the protein sweats. Protein is extremely thermogenic, and I was like, I don't know if it's actually 120 degrees in my apartment, or if this is just all the protein, all the meat. And it's also a very strange, a very strange experience, just be like, okay, just, the rule is basically eat animal products, eat until you're full. And a lot of us like build our plates based off of like what we kind of know fills us up or just like what we think a good, like what our meal should look like. We have these habits built in. And so it's very strange when all these preconceived notions are just kind of 
thrown out the window and it's just okay eat as much protein as you want you really have to full i see what's interesting to me is i can see how for a lot of women this would be really hard and for men it's easier because i think women have a really hard time actually listening to their bodies and actually eating until they're full i think a lot of women are afraid to feel full and afraid to eat not according to like an amount but just here's the food i'll eat until i am i'm satisfied um that can be scary for women so it's kind of strange because you kind of really don't know how much you're going to eat at first and it's also pretty common on carnivore for people to eat a lot of meat at the beginning and then it kind of like levels out so you might be eating like four or five pounds a day at the beginning and then it like balances out to like two or three when your hunger signals get in check so that can be pretty common too but I was eating a lot a lot you like four and a half to five pounds a day of protein um I mean I'm just being honest so yeah and also I want to touch on the how much it costs so at first I was like holy shit this is so expensive because I mean I'm buying all grass-fed meat and this is the thing it it feels more expensive up front because you're paying a few hundred dollars in meat um but when I did the math actually out, I actually saved money. It actually ended up being cheaper because I would spend so much money on protein and all, so many vegetables. Like I eat a lot of food, so many vegetables. And then, I mean, you're not buying like any oils or nuts or like anything else besides just the meat. So that saves a lot of money. So it felt like a lot up, up front. I was like, oh my God, this is unsustainable. Um, but then when I things kind of balance out and I realized, oh wait, but I didn't spend all that money on vegetables. And I looked at my, how much money I typically spend. Um, it, it balanced out. And I also kind of overestimated, you know, I bought a ton of meat at first and then it lasted me longer than I thought. So yeah, it actually ended up being cheaper for me personally. So anyways, I was really hot. I felt kind of like hypoglycemic. Honestly, I felt a little dizzy. I know I had a call with the the girls in my program that day, I think. Um, and I was like, sorry if I'm really out of it. I feel a little dizzy and off. It was very strange. I think my body was just adjusting. So that first day was pretty weird, but I felt, I mean, by day two, I felt so good. Oh my God. All my inflammation went down. I basically can judge my inflammation based on my Fitbit. Um, like, cause I wear this Fitbit and when I'm less inflamed, I go down a few notch sizes. And when I'm inflamed, it goes up a few notch sizes. Um, my inflammation went down so much. It's like, I could tell from my wrist, um, all my bloating went away. I mean, obviously my bloating went away and okay. I mean, my digestion was, it was flowing. I was having great bowel, like, I mean, I was having great bowel movements. It was honestly the best it had ever been. So that was really exciting. And I was just on this, like, this, like, high, my mood. I felt like I was on happy drugs, which I think also a component of it is, like, I mean, if anyone, I mean, fat, it's like that happy, like, fat gives you that happiness level. It's like, you're kind of high on fat. I don't know. Maybe it's just, if you're, like, if you do keto, 
yeah i didn't go through like low carb flu or anything because i've already been keto adapted and like low carb adapted for a while so it's like really easy at this point for my body to transition in and out um so i didn't really have any weird effects i kind of slid right into it and like i felt great and i also just had way more energy and it was i don't know I I had way more energy. I felt like my sleep was better. I felt more rested. I felt like I had mental clarity after that, after that first like two days, my digestion was great. Um, I had a little pep in my step. I was really happy. I don't, I was like smiling all the time. I didn't know why. I don't know if it's just me, but I think that people who smile all the time are really annoying. (laughs) Like no one is that happy. And I was like annoying myself with how happy I was. (laughs) like you can't you can't okay this is my thing I don't trust you if you're if you're negative and unhappy all the time I don't like you but also if you're happy all the time I also am really suspicious of you like you gotta be in between you gotta be somewhere in between um that's just my own personal opinion so things were going really well a few days in I had I had a little trouble because I I'm still wondering exactly what it was, but basically I had a bad bout of diarrhea that like, I mean, I swung too far in the other direction and at first it was a nice change of pace. (laughs) You guys are going to be like, what the hell? Um, But you know, I'm just, I'm straightforward. Okay. So basically I was having really bad diarrhea and I've never experienced, experienced this in my life. And I thought, oh, I probably just ate a little bit too much fat. Um, but it was pretty bad for like two days. And I, I mean, I didn't know if I could continue, but then it evened out and it was fine. And then, but then that returned about a week later, but I've since, I think there, it was one of two things. It was either, I was just eating way too much fat and not enough protein, that ratio. So something for me was about figuring out like how much protein to how much fat. Cause I wasn't shooting for a certain ratio or anything, but for me, I like, I felt a little better. I started adding, I did like chicken thighs. I added chicken thighs because I was just eating like really fatty steaks and bacon and duck, which is all extremely fatty. And I think my body just needed a little bit, something a little leaner. So chicken thighs in that instance are a little better. Um, and then I felt, I felt kind of more balanced. So then I went out to just like switching it up. Um, also, so, so that happened, but it was either, it was either that just like my fat ratio was way too high or, um, I think it, I, but I honestly, what I think it was, was the ghee because the two days I was having these issues and I also was feeling really nauseous. Like I, I, I was feeling really nauseous and I have always known that I don't do that well with ghee. Like I love ghee. I think it tastes really good, but I, when I consume it, I only have it kind of like here and there and I'm fine with it but I know in the past like if I have it regularly my body does not do well with it I actually will break out and my digestive system will get messed up so when I just eat it like randomly when I want it I'm fine with it but if I have it multiple times in a row I don't do too well and both times I got like sick like this were the times when I was putting excessive amounts of ghee onto everything so I think maybe that was just a personal problem um But then other than those two things, I felt really, really great. I also loved how fast and easy it was. You know, you just make protein and like meals were just so quick. And I, 
I realized how much I resent all the time I lose in my life cutting vegetables. Like I love vegetables and I do like cutting them sometimes because I think it forces me to slow down and maybe listen to a podcast, but it's a time suck. And I realized I had so much more time in a day eating carnivore and I didn't have to think about anything. It's just super simple. You just put it on your plate. Um, I think where I differ from other people is like, I love variety and people were laughing at me because most people will just sit down and eat like two big steaks or they just have a big bowl of meat. And like, I just need variety. So I would do, <laughs> I would do like a little bit of ground beef, a little bit of bacon. You know, I I'd, I'd do like half salmon, half chicken thighs, half, half lamb, you know, mix some, some ribeye steak with some duck. Like I just like to have variety. So that was, that was that. I just like to spice it up and I ate, I incorporated lots of organ meats. I had chicken hearts and chicken livers, duck livers, beef liver, um, heart, chicken heart, um, lots of organ meats. I also did bone broth every single day, which I felt like was really nourishing to my gut. And that was great. So I, I, for me, it was really important to switch it up with different animals. I also think in terms of nutrient density, it's important to switch it up. Like I know everybody's just eating all the ground beef, but I think it's really good to get different animals. They have different nutrient profiles. So I switch it up. I also definitely, um, Anything I'm doing, I'm very conscious of the fact that I don't want to lose any weight. So made sure of that. <laughs> um, I did three meals a day. A lot of people, I mean, a lot of people use this to lose weight, which I mean, I'm not even going to get into. It's kind of a lot of people because it's so satiating. It's easy for them to move to one to two meals a day, which is also common on keto. Um, I just think this is kind of dumb because you're just down regulating your metabolism and then you're screwed if you ever want to go back to normal eating but whatever that's fine if you want to down regulate your metabolism um lose weight short term but I have no interest in doing that so I stuck to three meals a day I also think that three meals a day is important for women anyone with hormonal issues that's a whole other thing I did three meals a day just ate until I was Full, which was interesting for me because you kind of I mean I kind of never really knew it wasn't I never really knew how much to put so I just kind of put some in a bowl and eat and then assess how I felt and I pretty much always went back for seconds or thirds um and I also did a lot of raw meat which I know is controversial I don't really know why people think it's so strange beef tartare is, you know, it's all fancy and pretty. People don't get offended. But when it's not pretty, people just freak out. Um, people eat sushi all the time. It's not weird. Raw animal products are a part of so many cultures, have been for hundreds of years, and they are really nutrient dense. I think that they're great personally. You just have to be safe about it. I have a whole blog post about it. I'm very particular about the sourcing. You don't just go to Whole Foods and get ground beef and eat it raw. That's really unsafe. You have to make sure that it has been frozen, kept cold from grass-fed, 100% grass-fed source. And yeah, read my blog post about eating raw meat if you're interested, but I personally love raw lamb. It's my favorite, one of my favorite foods. Um, so getting raw was really good. You know, when you cook, you basically cook away 
the nutrition. You cook away um, a lot of the enzymes that helps us break down. So it's actually a lot easier on digestion. So, I mean, in general, carnivore diet is just really easy on your digestive system. Unless you have digest, like most of America thinks that meat is hard on the digestive tract. That's just because we have messed up digestive systems. We're supposed to be able to process meat. It's easier for us to break down protein than it is to break down all this fiber in the context of a healthy digestive tract, but whatever. So raw meat for me personally gives me a ton of energy and it's really, really easy on my digestion because it still has all those enzymes present because you're not cooking them away. So there's that. So yeah, that's kind of what I did and I felt really, really great and I didn't you know, I I loved it. And I thought part of me was like, wow, I could do this for a long time. And so it felt easy for me. You know, after a week, I, I was like, well, I still want to keep going. I think the hardest part was, I mean, I loved how fast it was, easy it was. I just popped, you know, I, I would just cook up a big thing in the Instant Pot. I would just make, like I made a big duck or I make a chicken. I just cook a ton and then I have a ton of food ready for me for the rest of the week. And it takes no thinking and have so much energy, you know, I don't know. Everything was running great. Uh, my bowel movements were awesome besides those two time periods where they weren't. Um, yeah, I was loving life. I was digging it. My bloating was totally gone, like night and day. I mean, I hadn't felt that great digestively. I mean, I don't think I've ever felt that great digestively, to be honest, if I'm being completely honest here. So that was really awesome. And I was like, wow, I can really see how people are loving life on this. So about a weekend, I was like, wow, I feel like I could definitely do a whole month, but I knew I wasn't going to, because I also knew that a month coincided with a lot of social things, which is why I think is honestly the hardest part of it is if you have a social life, if you eat out, um, luckily for me, I mean, I could still eat with my friends and like go out and eat carnivore and they don't, they were totally accommodating. Like we'd either eat in or, I mean, I have a lot of really healthy, health geeky friends. So they didn't really think it was that strange or whatever. Um, I went to Erewhon and I just got a rotisserie chicken. (laughs) Um, and after that first week, I, I wasn't as strict. So I allowed herbs and spices and also drinks. So I added, herbs and spices, and then teas and different elixirs, one of which my favorite nighttime ritual is my Four Sigmatic. And let's just pause and talk about Four Sigmatic because they are a proud sponsor of this podcast and I seriously love, love their products. So something that I really missed on that week of carnivore were my nightly Four Sigmatic chaga and reishi elixirs those are my two favorite to have in the evening to help wind me down although i don't really think chaga is supposed to do that but i just like the taste reishi though is great for stress and sleep support and they taste so delicious mushrooms have so many incredible health benefits they are incredible for boosting for boosting the immune system for increasing energy amazing for overall health and longevity if you want to live a long life i mean mushrooms are amazing medicinal mushrooms these have been used for centuries in different cultures and we're talking about functional mushrooms like i mentioned like reishi and chaga cordyceps and lion's mane 
are also really, really popular ones. And then they also have products with different superfoods and adaptogens like rhodiola and Cassandra, for instance. So what I love about Four Sigmatic is I think a lot of us have heard, especially in this space, have heard about the different health benefits of these different adaptogens or functional mushrooms, but we don't really know what to do with them. And Four Sigmatic makes it easy because they've already made these elixirs. And literally all you have to do is heat up some hot water and put it in and taste delicious. And that's usually how I drink it. You can also mix it in with like coconut milk or any type of warm nut milk and it tastes amazing. I also really like to use their powders in smoothies. That is a great way to do it, but super easy. You just toss it in with some water. They have single serve packets that you can bring with you as well. And they also have their, their coffee, which is incredible. I think for people who drink coffee, I highly recommend trying out their mushroom coffee mix. They have one that has cordyceps and chaga, and then one that has lion's mane and chaga. So it basically lets you have coffee without the jitters. Um, coffee can be tough on people's adrenals. So this is a great way to get your coffee fix in without all those jittery effects, without a crash, um, but still boosting your brain performance. They also have a mushroom hot cacao mix. One has cordyceps and one has reishi. So good. But I mean, I seriously, at night, the reishi, I wish I had a word to describe it. It's like earthy and yummy. I don't know. You know, some people have a coffee love. I have this, this mushroom elixir obsession at night. So it helps you loosen up. It really helps with sleep, relaxation, stress. So I like to have it after a stressful day. And the chaga is, chaga is incredible to support your immune function. Chaga is called the king of the mushrooms. I believe it. Delicious. So that one, I think typically people will drink in the morning. It can be a great coffee replacement if I need something warm and comforting. I love that one too. Those are two of my favorites, but I'm also getting into the other ones. Those are just the ones I've been using the longest. So if you want to try out Four Sigmatic's elixirs, then go to foursigmatic.com slash CRW and check out all their products. You can use the code CRW for 15% off of all of your purchases on their website. And again, the link is foursigmatic.com slash CRW, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M, atic.com slash crw i've been using four sigmatic for i think two or three years now and i seriously love these products they are really really well sourced really high quality all of the mushrooms are certified organic wild crafted or law grown and they're all tested for pesticides and heavy metals which is important to me which we'll get to in a second, actually. So definitely check out those products. I truly love it. Also, if you're trying to get off of coffee, a great way to replace the the ritual. And God, they just taste so delicious. So definitely check those out. So I was really, really happy to get those back into my routine. And um, I didn't personally start adding in herbs and spices on my food, but like if I went out, I was able to do that. But like I said, the hardest part is the social aspect because if someone asks you to go out to dinner, you're like, okay, well, I can't really because they probably won't have enough pro. I mean, I guess it could just get the protein probably won't be enough to satiate me. And cause you got to eat big portions. Um, also what is it cooked in? Because I mean, 
that first week, I couldn't even go to Erewhon and get plain protein because all the proteins were cooked in olive oil and I couldn't have olive oil, you know, or I went over to my friend's house and she wanted to cook for me, but had like all these spices on it that I couldn't have. So I think socially that's the hardest part. And that's also why I knew no matter what, I couldn't do it the full 30 days because for example, if I went the full 30 days, that would mean while I was up here at my cabin and this weekend, we basically have planned around food. Like we planned all of our meals and like my sister's wedding. I'm like, I can't be on the carnivore diet during all the wedding, the wedding week festivities, all of that. So I think that socially that's, that's kind of the hardest part, but I, I don't know. It's kind of hard because I felt so good on it. I felt great. Um, so that happened. And then things started to go south a bit towards end of week two. Like I was feeling so amazing. Oh, and something I also wanted to mention was it didn't affect my my exercise at all. Like I didn't notice a difference in energy or anything. I felt more energized, if anything. So for me personally, it didn't affect anything. But I also am not an athlete or anything. I'm not doing any crazy sports. Um, I lift weights and go on walks as my exercise routine. So I mean, nothing really changed there, but I felt, I felt really good. And I was really happy about the digestive benefits, honestly. So things were going well and then things started to go south. So I started at the end of week two, like there was a few days where, I mean, Okay, this is the other thing though. It did not really regulate my appetite at all. Like I still was just eating a ton of protein. I just, so for me, I know a lot of people say like, this is what basically like reset their leptin. I mean, it didn't change my appetite. (laughs) Um, So that didn't happen, but I also only did it for two weeks. So, but why I stopped. Okay, so towards the end of two weeks, I, there was like a day where I don't know what came over me. So I'm not the type of person that has cravings. Usually, I think everybody, I mean, I definitely have, I guess, cravings in the sense of like, oh, this sounds really good. I really want that. Oh, I'm craving that. But I don't have ever cravings like, oh my God, I need this right now. Like, I feel like a psychopath if I'm not gonna eat this. Like, I haven't felt this way since I was a sugar addict circa 2012. So, I mean, it was later than that, but you get the idea. I just don't get cravings like that ever. Like this insane, I feel like a rabid animal. I need this now. And I just started getting these insane cravings for like carbohydrates, which has literally never happened to me. I mean, not literally, but (laughs) in the past three years since I've eaten a paleo diet, um, that has never happened to me. And even when I was like, even when I was like like low carb like really low carb keto like I never had anything like that happen and I just wanted a huge bowl of carbohydrate and I also was really craving chocolate I was like really craving chocolate and I was eating I was okay you're not supposed to do any supplements with carnivore diet but I was still taking magnesium sorry about it um so I was taking magnesium and it wasn't a magnesium thing I just wanted like chocolate and carbs and I was like this is strange um let's see if this goes away tomorrow so the next day I I 
you know, want to see how it went. And that day I was just still craving carbohydrates and I was just craving, I was craving vegetables and I hadn't craved it the first, like the beginning of the first, like the first week and a half, I totally was like, I don't care about them. I don't worry about it. And so it was really, really weird to me. And I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like the feeling. I felt like how I imagine pregnant women crave foods. I felt like that, you know, like that stereotypical, like, oh, she's pregnant. She's craving X, Y, or Z. She needs it now. That's how I felt. And I'm definitely not pregnant. (laughs) Um, so I was like, I don't like this. I don't like to be thinking about food unless I'm in the process of eating it or cooking it, like in between meals, I've got other things to think about. I don't want to be thinking about cravings. I don't have time for that. But then I was, you know, reading some things on the internet and people were saying, some people were saying that days 13 through 15 were the hardest. And sometimes that's when people got cravings and and then just evened out. So it's okay. Maybe I'm going through the harder days. Meanwhile, I started to feel very kind of just off. Like I felt like I should have just been feeling the same or better and then I started to feel like like almost nauseous and like sick to my stomach and like this like like a I felt like a toxic overload like I just felt like overcome with fog but not really I just felt very off and like sick but also not sick it's really hard to explain it's like this weird feeling of like I was hungry but then I felt sick but and I felt like clear-headed but also brain foggy and I just felt like toxic and it was very weird but I also just really didn't want to give up the digestive benefits but then I was still craving carbohydrates and then there were basically like four days in a row where I was craving carbohydrates and I was like okay this isn't going away so I just need some carbohydrates and then I was like okay I'm gonna eat vegetables because I need to um my body was telling me I needed it and I just felt like a rabid animal and needed the veg. But what was really hard was at that point, <laughs> I mean, this was like the perfect elimination diet, right? This is the perfect thing to do to reintroduce and really carefully see what's gonna affect your body, which is like really a big reason why I wanted to do this to get down to what my body was reacting to specifically because I already knew a lot of the things it was reacting to and I just wanted to be really systematic about it and that's why food reintroductions are the most difficult part of a food intolerance, a food elimination diet, um, in my opinion, just because you have to go really slowly and usually at this point you're just like I just want to eat x y or z and usually what you want to start off with is usually not what you should so um you know you got to be systematic try one thing at a time and the best way to reintroduce foods in my opinion is to have a serving of it you know say I'm going to reintroduce zucchini I'll have a serving of it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then for the next three days, watch my symptoms. And it can be anything from a digestive symptom to a skin issue to a mood change to a migraine or a headache. So you really got to be paying attention to everything um, and seeing how your body goes. And then you can also kind of dose it up. So maybe like if you're doing avocado, you start with a quarter of an avocado and then you wait a few days and then you increase to half. 
um, and you see how that goes. So it's a really slow reintroduction process and you usually want to reintroduce first the things that are least likely to give you issues. So for instance, wouldn't have been smart for me to just immediately say, I'm going to eat a bowl of broccoli after not having to digest any vegetables for a long time. Um, that could be, that could be hard for my body. Although I will tell you, I definitely wanted to do that. And thankfully my friend who was with me said, don't do it. So yeah, I needed to reintroduce. And upon the reintroduction phase, it became very clear to me some things that I already knew, but just more so confirmed. So just kind of getting into my what's going on with my health, which is its own podcast episode. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing here, but for me, I realized how much I'm really reacting to sulfur rich vegetables. And I honestly hate to talk about this because I don't really want to talk about it because I know that people on the internet like to do this thing where they see everybody else doing it and they just want to copy them and they, they don't, they don't really understand what they're doing. Like the carnivore thing, everyone's just doing it because everyone else is doing it. Like I saw everyone else doing it. So I did it too, except I went, I did a ton of research and did it for a purpose as an elimination diet, you know? So that's different. People will just see, Oh, this worked for so-and-so. So I'm going to copy them, you know, AIP worked for so-and-so. So I'm just going to do that. Low fat network for so-and-so. So I'm just going to do that. And Going low sulfur is incredibly dangerous because our bodies really need sulfur. Most people would, their health would improve 800% if they included more sulfur-rich vegetables into their diet. Um, basically, what's happening with my body is so incredibly rare that I just like, I don't even like talking about it because I'm worried that someone's just going to say, oh, this is helping Christina, so I'm going to I'm going to do it too and try it out. And then they're going to really, really, really mess up their body's detoxification processes, really, really screw with their health. And that scares the crap out of me. Um, but also I have to remind myself that that's part of the responsibility of being a consumer in today's society of access to a lot of information. So please don't do something that is not smart. This is why it goes back to the importance of working with somebody and not just being careful of what you consume on the internet and just stop copying people. Please stop copying people. Um, work with someone specifically who can help guide you if you're not sure what to do. But for 99% of the population, um, going low sulfur would be incredibly dangerous and incredibly dumb. For me, this is what I'm reacting to, which is also why it's taken me so long for me to figure out kind of what's been going on with my health because this is so rare and basically everything that for normal people would help detoxify their systems and, um, would make them better for me is, has been making me worse. And I haven't realized this until relatively recently fully, but this very much showed me things I was reacting to. Like, I mean, spinach, spinach wrecked me, um, which is something that I didn't really fully understand. Like I knew the cruciferous vegetables were messing with me and a lot of sulfur rich foods, um, eggs and onions and garlic, but I didn't realize like things like spinach, how bad of an effect that had. I mean, like I had severe stomach pain. I had a major headache. I felt like I was going to pass out. And even again, like I recently, I've just been eating a lot of these sulfur rich vegetables in the past two days. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to eat whatever I want while I'm traveling. And I have literally never felt worse. <laughs> so that's a whole other side note. Anyways, it made me very clear things that I was reacting to like, uh, spinach and, uh, coconut oil. 
Um, so that wasn't fun, but it was super helpful. And I honestly don't think that like if I hadn't done carnivore, I wouldn't have gotten that clean slate to be able to tell what was affecting me. So for me in particular, I think that it was honestly the most useful elimination diet I've ever done. And I'm really glad I did it. Um, because it helped me a lot. It helped a lot. And it's really interesting because I actually know a lot of people. I mean, I was honestly hoping, <laughs> I was hoping that I would do this and I would give my gut a total reset and then I'd come off of this and I wouldn't react to anything because I do know a few people who have done that. I have a few friends who have done carnivore diet for 30 days and then they just reintroduced everything and had no issues. Like I have a friend who told me that he did carnivore for 30 days and historically every time he ate gluten it just destroyed him and then he after doing carnivore for 30 days he can eat gluten with no digestive symptoms anymore you know i've heard things like this before not saying i mean even if gluten doesn't give you digestive symptoms i still am a huge like i still think nobody should be consuming gluten ever i think it's horrible um so that's a whole other rant but I mean, a lot of people have saying it just like fixes their guts. Um, but that the other thing is basically I was getting all these weird symptoms, which made me stop like with my head and like, I don't know. And I, I was confused because I feel like when you look up carnivore diet, you don't really hear that many people saying that they come off of it because they're having negative effects. Really? Mostly people just end up coming off of it because they just kind of miss vegetables or it's inconvenient. I don't know. There's not that many people like having negative experiences, which again, makes sense to me, honestly. Um, but I have since discovered long story short that my body has, um, issues dealing with protein, excess protein. Um, and I'm kind of, on overload with ammonia in my body. And this also ties in with the heavy metals toxicity I just found out about. So for me in particular, my body like basically just got kind of like toxic overload because my body can't fully deal with the protein and that protein intake for me specifically, um, and kind of all this ammonia buildup in my system. And that's why I kind of crash and burn at the end, um, of my, two week thing. Like it felt really great. And then all built up into my system. And then because, because my body is having detoxification issues, I just, it, it was too much for me. And so I think I'm definitely like a major outlier on this, but that was just my personal experience. Um, so it makes sense. But other than that, I mean, I think for 98% of the population that would never come up and like, I can see how it's an incredibly, an incredibly effective elimination diet and an incredibly effective gut reset. However, I don't think that it's necessary and I don't think that it's something that people should necessarily just jump to immediately. Like, I think I see it as a really useful elimination diet for someone who's tried a lot of other things and nothing else has worked. Um... Or if, if you're just the type of person who just wants to say, hey, I'm just all in. I don't really care. I'll use this to reset myself. But I also am just not a, a believer in it long term. I think that there's a balance to be had with these different 
plants that cause issues. Um, I think that just because some plants have antinutrients and lectins, you know, it's unfair to just say, okay, I'm just going to get rid of all of them. I mean, I'm saying that unfair as if the plants have feelings, but you know what I'm saying. I think that that's just a really extreme measure to take rather than figuring out specifically which ones are causing issues because plants also have a lot of really beneficial nutrients in them as well and you're missing out on all of that. So just because somebody can live, I think that somebody could live a long, healthy life on a carnivore diet. And I'm just speculating that. There's no science behind any of this. Um, maybe my opinion will change. I'm just saying how I feel right now. I don't, I'm just saying how I'm feeling right now. And maybe I'm, this is just what I think right now. So I think that somebody could, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's optimal. So there's a difference between what we can do to survive and be healthy versus like what could make us feel even better. So how do you know, like say somebody says they've done 10 years on carnivore and they feel great. How do they know they wouldn't feel even better if they had plant foods in their diet as well? They were also causing, they were also providing them with extra nutrition. Um, had they taken the time to figure out which specific foods were causing them issues? Because this is, this is my issue. I I have a few issues with this. First of all, I think it's just ridiculous to say, okay, that's like saying I have a pair of pants that rip, so I'm going to throw away all of my pants. That was a horrible analogy. Okay, maybe here's a better one. I saw a bad TV show, so I'm never going to watch TV again. Like, that makes no sense. These are kind of bad analogies. But my point is, I just think it's ridiculous because rather than finding those 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 foods that are causing the issue specifically and then keeping the rest in, you're just eliminating everything. And I get the appeal of how it's just, it's just easier mentally. I totally understand that. But I just think everybody should try. And my opinion is that it's best to have a diet that has as many different foods in it as possible for you. And it's about figuring out for you what that might be. So, you know, it's like, I see this a lot with people who go on, go on food elimination diets and it really, really bothers me. Um, it's like somebody will go on low FODMAP and they'll feel really great. So then they just live their life low FODMAP. Well, why would you do that? What if it's only one or two high FODMAP foods that are causing the issues and then you could bring the rest of the other high FODMAP foods in and feel great? then you have more variety and it makes your life easier and you're, you can get more nutrients in. Or same with AIP, people will do AIP and they'll feel great and then they'll never do the reintroduction phase. Well, this is silly because, I mean, for example, AIP, there are so many spices you cut out. What if there's only one of those spices that was causing you issues? Wouldn't you rather just take out that one rather than all of them? It just seems really ridiculous. And this also goes back to this issue I have because I just see it everywhere in the health space. And it's this, this symptom management thing rather than getting to the root cause. And I'm just kind of obsessed with getting to the root cause of issues because that's how we feel better. And everybody thinks that symptom management is fixing things and it's not. It's symptom management. So for I think for most people who are doing carnivore diet long term, it's just symptom management. The same way, like, if you just go on low FODMAP, it's just symptom management. Like, why is it that your body isn't digesting those vegetables? Like, what what is it about those foods? Is it 
that you need to get to the root of the issue? Do you need like digestive support? Do you have a bacterial overgrowth, a yeast overgrowth? Are there things going on with your detoxification processes? How is your liver, your gallbladder? How is your bile production? I mean, what about your hormones or... I mean, a lot of people think that they can't digest vegetables and it's literally just because they're not chewing enough. I mean, I it sounds so silly because it's so simple, but I can't tell you how many people that's true for. Um, a lot of people have really low stomach acid. You know, like what is going on with our digestive systems or issues beyond that that are affecting our, our ability to digest or, you know, people who are coming at this from weight loss why is this the only way that you're able to lose weight if you have weight to lose? You know, what else is going on? Like why we need to get to the root of the dysfunction and fix the dysfunction. And then if you get to the root of the issue, then you don't have to manage a symptom anymore because that's the same with something like low FODMAP diet. Like the low FODMAP diet is working as a way to manage your symptoms. Okay, let's get to the root cause of that. And this is just something that really bothers me because to me, I'm like, okay, that gives you information and it's helpful to manage symptoms while you're dealing with the discomfort. But long-term, let's get to the root of the issue, turn that around, and then you can add in more variety and then you don't have to live managing the symptom forever. So that's just my opinion. Um, you know, I see, a, it really saddens me how many doctors I see doing this with people, just these symptom management measures. This is all over the place. This is like people going on, acid blockers for their acid reflux and all that kind of stuff. And same with the digestive issues, like, oh, take a fiber supplement. No, or just go on this, go on this diet protocol. It'll be fine. Go on a low carb diet. Okay. Well, what's actually happening then? Then as soon as you add in everything else, then you're just going to have your symptoms again because it's symptom management. So that's just my opinion, but I do think it can be a really helpful elimination diet. I think if somebody is going to do this, I mean, I, I just want to say this because I know the type of people who listen to my podcast and like, you can't do this if you're afraid of eating fat and afraid of eating protein. Um, you know, I think a lot of people in general, they think that they eat high fat diets and they don't, or people like say that they're not worried about eating too much of X, Y, or Z and they still are like, they're still worried about limiting it. And it's like, you have to just eat to satiety and you can't be afraid to feel full. I know this is an issue with a lot of women. Like I mentioned, they're just afraid to feel full. They don't even know what that means. And that's not going to work if you're going to do this, like, because you can really mess yourself up. So I don't recommend this to somebody who's afraid of eating a lot of food and eating a lot of protein. Um, but I think that it can be a really awesome reset. I think it'd be a really great elimination diet and it's giving people a lot of really great results. But I mean, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It's getting rid of so many in potentially inflammatory foods, but it's just kind of like making the process easier because you're just cutting everything out rather than doing the harder part of figuring out exactly what the issue is, you know? Cause like, what if it's like, what if your issue is just one vegetable and you cut all of them out? I don't know, you know, but I still am a fan of it. I'm still really into the carnivore diet for my body. It didn't work because I have these rare, weird, strange things going on with these. I have these genetic mutations and this heavy metal toxicity and these detoxification issues. And 
that's all me personally. But I think for most people, I can totally see why this would be really, really helpful. Um, but I also think, I also think it goes back to, it's like so many people who are, who are doing, um, who are giving testimonials. I'm like, well, what were you eating before? If you go to a standard American diet and then switch to just eating meat, of course, you're going to feel way better. You're cutting out everything inflammatory, cutting out the inflammatory vegetable oils and the sugar and the gluten and the grains and everything. But I'm like, how do you know you wouldn't have felt just as good just going to a paleo diet? People just jump steps. It's like how everybody will just, I have so many friends who just eat a standard American diet and like, oh, I'm going to go keto. I'm like, well, why? You, I mean, why wouldn't you just go paleo first? I just don't really understand that leap, but it's fine. I think it was a really fun experiment. I'm really glad I did it. And I am kind of annoyed to have this ammonia issue going on because I think it would be really useful thing like just kind of slip into here and there and um, I think if my body could handle it I would definitely kind of continue it and probably be eating more of like 70 to 80 percent animal foods and maybe 20 to 30 percent plant foods differing my ratios I think that it's really fun to do things that kind of test your ideas of what maybe a healthy meal would look like or what a good meal looks like and I think also a lot of us we get into habits of like the way we build our meals build our plates and it was also interesting kind of like reintroducing foods because I thought do I just go back to how like I used to eat my meals or do I want to keep eating way more way more meat and like just a little bit of veggies it's kind of an interesting thing to think about and it's like really interesting to shift your paradigm and I think it's really good to try different things and feel and see how it goes on your body specifically. Test your beliefs. I think a lot of people have these ideas. People are just in these camps like you need this much protein, this much fat, this much, this many carbs, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, have you ever tried anything else? You know, um, and I I'm, I'm just loving I'm honestly loving this trend because I am loving how many people in the keto world are trying it and I know it's like blowing their minds because so many of them are scared of protein which I just think is so annoying um and ridiculous I think that so many people don't eat enough protein but and so I love how it's like I love hearing people's feedback I'm like wait I can eat a lot more meat than I thought yeah 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 protein is so amazing and has so many incredibly helpful amino acids the building blocks of our body I could go on about how much protein is incredible um but yeah I just I love seeing other people and myself always just testing testing what they're used to like shifting paradigms it's a lot of fun so I think carnivore is cool it's not gonna be my lifestyle I totally respect people who are doing it and using it as a elimination diet but I would caution you if you're if you're doing it and seeing great results I think that's really helpful information to have but also the other thing is like maybe you feel a lot better but are you just managing the symptom rather than getting to the root of the issue fixing that and then supporting the natural function of your body because we are designed to be able to eat plant foods and animal foods, both. I think 
I think maybe we are designed to eat more animal food than a ton of vegetable matter, but I think both are fabulous and I think it's great to include both plants and animal products into your diet. So those are my thoughts. Hopefully this was informative and you found it interesting. I I am happy to share my experience. I had a lot of fun. If there's anything else you want me to test out, let me know. <laughs> I'm into it. I originally wanted to do two weeks carnivore compared to two weeks vegan and like document my experience, but um, I won't do two weeks vegan because I don't believe that's a healthy way to live. So it'd be kind of no point to, for me to do that. Whereas carnivore, I was like, maybe this is healthy. I think it's, I think it is healthy. Honestly, at this point, there's no science the other way. There's no science either way, but like mice, I think it's healthy. I, I don't necessarily think it's optimal. I think it's probably optimal to get as many plants in as you can that aren't causing you issues and also lots of meat. Um, so those are my thoughts. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thanks for hanging around if you did. And if you have any questions, let me know. Don't forget, I am having a running giveaway this month with Cassandrinos olive oil, my favorite olive oil. And all I have to do is leave a rating and a review on iTunes for the podcast. If you have a rating and a review up, on there, then you are automatically entered to win a bottle of Catsandrinos. At the end of the month, I will pick five lucky winners. It's so delicious. So I'm happy to have that olive oil back in my life. I really missed olive oil. It was yummy. It is yummy. And happy to have some veg back in my life. But I definitely really, really loved my carnivore diet experience. Overall, I think that it was a success. Like I really liked it. I have a positive review of it. I have a very positive review of it. Um, I just have personal health stuff that like complicated matters that I didn't realize before. And I'm honestly glad that I did carnivore because it made me find stuff out for me specifically. But I'm also like a rare 1% outlier from what I can tell. So yeah. Okay. That's all I have for you this week. Thanks for joining in. Let me know what you thought. Make sure you join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. We'd love to have you in there. I am going to log off, edit this, get it ready, and then hop off and veg out for the rest of this weekend at my lovely cabin up here in nature. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. Thanks for joining, and I'll talk to you again next time. Bye.